Good morning, everyone. Good morning. We're so glad you're with us. We're glad you're joining us yet again another week via the live stream. Uh, isn't technology great? You know, what a gift. What a gift that we have that ability this morning that we can be here and you can be there. And God is connecting all of us uh, through this awesome technology. So we're glad you're here today. Um, hey, live stream connection right now in a really cool way is really busy. All across the United States, uh, maybe worldwide, but obviously a lot of people are tuning in live stream. So we know maybe your connection can be a little slow or maybe you're having a hard time getting on. We encourage you to keep trying, right? And then next week we're going to try to offer you a backup plan and go Facebook Live. So we always want you to check in on the website first, southwoods.org, where you are now. Um, but you can also check us out on Facebook, on our page, and um, watch us uh, live stream there as well. All right? A couple of things we want to talk about. We just saw our 90 Days of Awesome bumper video. And uh, last week we said it maybe wasn't so awesome lately. But guess what? I changed my mind. <laughs> it's still awesome. 90 Days of Awesome. And why is that? Because these are plans that this church put in place under God's provision. And he's going to continue that work that he did. Maybe not on our human timeline, but he's going to continue that work that he did. So our 90 Days of Awesome, you guys got this a while back. It continues, and things are maybe rearranged a little bit, but it continues. So let's talk about what's next. It's Let's Pray. This event actually starts today at 12 o'clock at noon. If you have signed up to be part of our prayer and fast event, um, you have instructions and information that came through that. But, hey, if you didn't have an opportunity to sign up for that, that's okay. You don't have to sign up in order to be part of it. Um, today, starting at noon, and for 30 hours, we're going to pray, and we are going to fast, and we're going to ask God to intervene and pray whatever's on your heart, okay? Um, if you did receive the email and signed up for that, there are some additional instructions there, and if you have questions about it, give us a call, okay? Uh, maybe Pastor Greg can elaborate on that a little bit later as far as some other details. A uh, few other things before we get started. Remember, we need to stay connected, which sounds kind of odd since we can't physically see each other, but we want you to stay connected with us. How can we serve you? How can we resource you? What prayer needs do you have in your family? Let us know so that we can be part of that. Also, just send some texts to your friends that are here at the church. Let them know you're thinking about them and uh, stay connected with us. The other part of staying connected, of course, is staying connected in a support way for our church. That includes prayer, but that includes finances as well. We want you to continue being so wonderfully supportive of this church. And ways to give, you can do it online at the website you're at now. There's a give button. You can click there. Um, there have been some browser issues with Google and Google Chrome and whatnot, so if you're having trouble utilizing that, switch to a different browser, see if that helps you. You can always mail it to us, and if you're out and about and you want to quickly drop it by, that's fine too. We just want you to stay connected. Last week, we told you about communion. We have communion here at Southwoods every week, and we're going to continue to do that this week. So this gives you a little heads up that it's coming later in the service, so it gives you an opportunity to go grab a cracker and some juice or water, a piece of bread, so that you and your family can participate in that with us. Uh, before we get started, I just want to pray over us and then watch what amazing things God has planned for us this morning. Pray with me. Father God, uh, good morning, <laughs> and it's good because you're in it. You're so in it, and the energy that we feel here 
It's incredible. It's because we know that you are opening the live stream, opening people's phones and computers and tablets to your word today. And we're so grateful for that. We welcome you here to this building. We welcome you into our homes this morning. We know that you're in full control of everything that happens here. And it is our honor and our privilege to join together by ourselves in our homes or with our families and say we love you, God. We are so in it for you, and we know that you are so in it for us. We pray all of this in Jesus' almighty name. Amen. Thanks for being here. I want you to remember that God, God's created everything you see. He breathed it into existence. You remember when his people were caught up in slavery? He rescued them. What he did was he parted the sea and he made a way for them and then he delivered their enemies to them and he unlocks wounds and he provides water from a rock and he provides manna from heaven and he brought down the walls of Jericho. He froze the sun allowing victory. He's toppled giants with tiny stones. He's brought fire from heaven. He shut the mouths of lions. He preserved life in the belly of a well. He's fed thousands with a few loaves. He gives the weak strength. He heals the sick. He's made the the blind see, the deaf ear, the mute speak, the lame walk, and he's overcome evil, and he's made a way through death for you and me by the death and the resurrection of the Son, Jesus Christ, that we will live with him forever. We will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever. What are we afraid of? His resume is flawless. He controls everything. And he loves you.
serve a God who is big and powerful. He is the Lord Almighty. Let's worship him this morning. Who can stop the Lord? For who can stop the Lord Almighty? 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 Who can stop the Lord? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord? Take a couple moments and uh, do a virtual high five with everybody that's with you. And if you're on the text line, you're going to receive a virtual high five from the church as well. tries to roll over my bones and sorrow comes to steal the joy I when brokenness and pain is all I know well I won't be shaken cause I won't be shaken cause my fear doesn't stand a chance when I
1 John, it talks about that the way we defeat fear is by receiving the love of God, by truly understanding how much our God loves us so much. So basically, our response to fear is faith. We need to trust that God is truthful with us, that he loves us, that he would, he loves us so much he sent his one and only, only son. We serve a God who has already won. Let's continue to sing that with this next song. falls it won't prevail cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph my God will never fail oh my God will never fail cause I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see
about you take what the enemy meant for evil and you use it for good. I was just thinking about yesterday, I was mowing my grass, um, kind of enjoying it, dodging all the balls that the dog left out and everything. And I was just, you know, reflecting, taking that time to reflect. Honestly, it's one of my favorite times to reflect is just mowing the grass. And it's the first chance I've had this year. And I was just thinking about how upside down of a kingdom God's kingdom is. It's just completely against the wisdom of the world, but yet at the same time, it makes so much sense when we really believe it, when we understand it. His Jesus's teachings were so revolutionary. I mean, things like to become a leader, you must become a servant or, or respond to your enemy with love. It, it just flips upside down what we would normally think or to become rich, give away. What communion does is it reminds us of some important things. It reminds us that we have a powerful, perfect king of the universe who chose to do that as well. He gave up his own life, the only one that did not deserve death. Flip things upside down by going to the cross and choosing to give us sinners eternal life. What an amazing thing. And when we take communion... He is inviting each one of us to respond. To respond by, when we, take this, when we take this bread, what we're doing is we're saying, Lord, I am with you with my body. You are in control of me. Tell me what to do, and I will follow. Tell me where to go, and I will follow. When we take the juice, we're committing ourselves to God and spirit, to Jesus. We're saying, just as you gave your life, I choose to give my life as well. So take a few moments here in just a minute and, and take some communion. Give your life so you will receive it. Let me pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for the gift of your son. That you have chosen to give us this upside down kingdom that we are to follow. And Lord, the blessing of that is that we have received something that we do not deserve at all. And the only thing you ask of us is to give our lives in return. But your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. And it is a blessing to follow you, Lord, our Redeemer. Thank you. Victory. 
Well, hello, friends. I'm really glad that you're able to join us today. Welcome to another week of Southwood's live stream. We've had two weeks of live stream. We've had three weeks since the pandemic started here in the Midwest. And thankfully, I want you to know that so far, nobody that we know has been infected with COVID-19. Now, that doesn't mean there's maybe somebody out there, but we just, we just don't know of them yet. Uh, we did hear of one person who uh, has a distant relative in another location that uh, may may have something, but even that has not been confirmed yet. So uh, praise God for that. We're thankful that, uh, thankful that it's not affected us uh, in, from the sickness standpoint so far. We're grateful for that. We do have, however, several medical professionals. We have several uh, first responders who are in harm's way on a daily basis. And so I just want to encourage you to just every day, just lift these folks before the Lord and uh, remember to pray for them. Um, and pray for each other. We have had a couple of people who've had uh, jobs affected by this, so pray for them. If there's something that others of us can do for those folks as time passes here, we'll let you know. But just for now, just be praying for them. Uh, we've been able to reach out to a community down south who's had uh, some needs. They don't have a grocery store in that community, and a number of folks just don't have transportation, uh, at least reliable transportation to get up here. And so we've been able to partner with some local churches there to minister to them, and so I, you know, how cool is that to be able to, to just expand the influence of Christ right there in that community. So, uh, so yay God and yay all of you at Southwoods who've participated in that, and just bathe all of that in prayer if you would. Um, it's safe to say that during times like this, it's just important to pray. You know, centuries ago, uh, God told his people this in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. You may be familiar with it, but in case you're not, it says this, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. This is what God said. And I just think it's fascinating to me when I look at that verse. You know, we're humbling ourselves on a regular basis as we pray and as we seek God's face and as we choose individually to turn from any wicked ways that are a part of our lives. And as we appeal to heaven on, on behalf of others in our nation around us who maybe are engaged in things that God would consider wicked, we just plead for his mercy and grace over them as well. And uh, the, the promise of God, not Greg, God here says, I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Well, a number of uh, churches have banded together in uh, recent weeks to begin to uh, lift this prayer on a regular basis basis before God as this pandemic has continued to unfold. And today we want to join those churches all over the nation, all over the world for that matter, by praying uh, specifically for God to intervene and for God to heal people and heal our land. And so if you would right now, right where you are, I just want to ask you to bow your heads with me if you would. And let's lift this prayer um, that thousands of churches are bringing before God's throne today. I'm going to read the prayer, but I'm going to make it my own and make it ours. So just join me and agree with me as we pray together this prayer, okay? Lord, we humble ourselves before you today in prayer. Our hearts are saddened by the reports coming from our own nation and around the world of the continued spread and devastation of COVID-19. And today, together, we draw near to your throne of grace in confidence and faith, knowing that you will hear our prayer, for you have promised this. 
Your word says that though we were a people who were once in darkness without you, you were merciful to us and you've called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. You've told us that if we will seek you, we'll humble ourselves and pray that you'll forgive our sins, you'll heal our land. Well, according to your word, Lord, you've made us a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're a God who's full of mercy, compassion, and grace. You said we can receive mercy in our time of need. Lord, we need your help. And we cry out, with, uh, cry out to you with our brothers and sisters throughout our nation and around the world. We cry out to you because our world is in a desperate place. COVID-19 has created a dire time of need. But we're standing in faith on the promises of your word. Today we're believing that as you appointed the Old Testament priests to stand in the gap as intercessors to see plagues and disease eradicated, so in our day you will use the church, your people, to intercede and see COVID-19 eradicated from the earth. Therefore, we stand together as your royal priesthood and we take authority through the name of Jesus Christ over the COVID-19 virus. And we pray that COVID-19 will be eradicated. We ask that victims will be healed. We ask that doctors, nurses, scientists, first responders, and the vulnerable will be protected. And we ask that you will heal our nation. Would you heal us spiritually, emotionally, economically, morally, and in every way that we are broken as a nation. And you see that in glorious detail that we don't. We thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer. And together we ask all these things of you in the precious and powerful name of our Savior, your Son, Jesus. And everybody agreed with me and said, Amen. Amen. Well, bless you all. Thank you for taking a few moments to pray about that. And I just encourage you as we begin our 30 hours of prayer uh, today at noon and as that carries through to 6 p.m. tomorrow, or if God leads you to pray and fast longer than that. And I say fast. I know some of you are thinking, I didn't sign up to fast. And that's okay. Don't freak out. Uh, I, know that, I know that some have. And I would just ask you, uh, you know, I, I know I'm fasting during this window of time. And uh, for 30 hours, and I know uh, some of you are because some of you have told me that. And I would just encourage you, if you, if you want to join in that, shoot me an email. Just let me know that, uh, that you're in on the fasting part of it, not just the prayer part of it. Uh, both, both are valuable. Both are uh, very important. And so I just encourage you to take advantage of this time to pray uh, in the days ahead. Well, after three weeks of this pandemic, if you're like me, you're sort of emotionally exhausted. You're just tired. And uh, as I prayed about what God would want me to, to say today, what he'd want me to talk about to encourage you, I felt like he wanted me to remind you of something. I think I felt God wanted me to remind you of something that's unshakable, something that's unwavering, something that's eternal. When, when everything around us feels like it's shifting sand and feels sort of vulnerable and at risk, just felt like God was saying, instead of focusing on our problems and our fears, what we need to focus on is we need to focus our eyes, our minds, our faith on Jesus himself because the scripture says that he is the same yesterday, today, and yes, forever. And so we're going to be focusing for the next few moments on the character, the very nature of Jesus, and I want to help you do that. I want to bring a bunch of things to mind about Jesus, most of which 
you're familiar with. It's not necessarily something new, but I promise you, you will hear it different today because of all the things that are shifting in your life right now. So I just want to invite you for the next few moments to open your Bible with me. Uh, turn to John chapter 18. It's a rich and familiar passage of Scripture for some of us. But nowhere do we see Jesus' strength of spirit and character more clearly than during the final hours that led up to his death that we see right here in John 18. So John 18, turn there in your Bible. Uh, we're going to let Scripture remind us of Jesus' unshakable character and unwavering nature. And uh, just invite him as we read together. Invite the power, the presence, the spirit of Christ to uh, fill you more fully as we read this uh, together. Just to follow along, I'll read it, John 18. We're going to start at verse 1. This is what the scripture says, and I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. If you're looking at a different one, that's one I'll be reading out of. After saying these things, and let me just pause here, just say this, saying what things? He's been at the Last Supper. This has been the Last Supper. He's been gathered with his disciples. Uh, Judas has just left. He instituted the Lord's Supper with them, and, and uh, then he prayed this prayer of unity over them, John 17. And the scriptures say here in verse, chapter 18, verse 1, that after saying these things, after praying these things, uh, goes on and says, Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley with his disciples and entered a grove of olive trees. This is the Garden of Gethsemane here. Verse 2, it says, Judas, the betrayer, knew this place because Jesus had often gone there with his disciples. The leading priests and Pharisees had given Judas a contingent of Roman soldiers and te uh, temple guards to accompany him. Now let's pause right there for just a moment. When, when the scripture speaks here of a contingent of guards, in the Greek, if you were to, to drill down on the original language here, this is, uh, uh, is one-tenth, the Greek word conveys the idea of it's one-tenth, one-tenth of a Roman legion. There are roughly a little more than 6,000 men warriors in a Roman legion. And so what the scripture is giving us a clue to in the original language here, it doesn't come through so well in English, but scripture wants us to, to know that when Judas shows up in the garden with the soldiers, he's showing up with 600 or more armed, trained soldiers. And they're coming to arrest Jesus because he's some kind of radical revolutionary, right? He's a threat to, their all, to all of their safety and well-being. Well, he wasn't a threat in the way that they thought of, but if you read on, we'll pick up there, verse 3 again. The leading priests and Pharisees had given Judas a contingent of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him. Now with blazing torches, lanterns, and weapons, they arrived at the olive grove. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. So he stepped forward to meet them. A little counterintuitive for you and me, right? He stepped forward to meet them. Who are you looking for, he asked. Jesus the Nazarene, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. And Jesus said, as Jesus said, I am he, they all drew back and fell to the ground. Once more, he asked them, who are you looking for? And again, they replied, Jesus the Nazarene. I told you that I am he, Jesus said. And since I'm the one who you want, let these others go. And he did this to fulfill his own statement. I did not lose a single one of those you have given me. 
Then Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave. But Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into its sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given me? So the soldiers, their commanding officer, and the temple guards arrested Jesus and tied him up. Now this passage reveals several of Jesus' unshakable, unwavering, eternal character qualities, the, the kinds of things that are true of him in the past, present, and future. And for the next few moments, I just want to highlight these for you. I hope that you will just listen carefully, that you'll, as I go one by one by one, just make this your prayer. Lord, because this is true of you, would you fill me with more of what's in you? Fill me with more of this. The first character quality, an unshakable, unwavering trait that shows up in Jesus here is his fearlessness. I love this scene. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture when you look at the life of Jesus. Because if you look at verse 4 again, notice what it says. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. He was not caught off guard. This was not a surprise. In fact, what's fascinating to me is, you remember as he's in the garden, you read about it in Matthew 26, if you haven't read it lately, the, you know, kind of his prayer time in the garden. Basically, in the garden of Gethsemane, he prayed through his fears. He conquered them there to such an extent that here, in the moment of truth, what's he do as his enemies approach him? Does he shrink back? No. It says he stepped toward them. He leaned in to them. He was fearless, absolutely fearless in this moment. Friends, some of us need the strength, the power of God's fearless spirit in us right now. It is available to you because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Ask, Lord, fill me with more of that kind of fearless spirit. I'm not asking you to be careless. I'm asking you to be fearless. The power of the Spirit of God. It will make a difference. There's another trait that shows up in this passage that's so, so evident to me when I look at it. You just see that Jesus is powerful he just, he has power that's just of another kind if you look here. I mean, do you notice how Jesus introduced himself? If you look at verse 5, it shows up. He says to, his, uh, to the, the crowd who's come, you know, this contingent of soldiers, 600 plus men or so. Who are you looking for, he asked. And they said, Jesus the Nazarene. And notice what he says. He, you know, what, what I'd be inclined to say, because I struggle sometimes with fear, particularly in this kind of situation. I would have been saying, well, you know, he left here a few minutes ago. He's over, you know, he's, he, you just missed him. Just missed him. That's what I'd have been doing probably. But that's not what Jesus says. Look what he does. He says, I'm he. Here I am. I'm the one you're looking for. And if you look at the original language, basically what he says is, I am. We insert the word he because it just kind of seems odd in the English to say, I am. But this is what Jesus said is, I am. And in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, Jesus is intentionally echoing this passage because in that moment, God introduced himself to Moses 
in front of the burning bush that was burning but not burned up. You remember Exodus 3.14? God says to Moses, Say to the people of Israel, I am has sent, ye, has sent me to you. This is, this is how he instructed Moses to speak of him. It's not a coincidence that in this moment, Jesus is saying, I am. It's also not a coincidence that when he speaks these words, what follows? Do you notice the power of his word and his presence when he said this? Verse 6, it paints, it just describes this. It says, as Jesus said, I am he, they all drew back like dominoes, fell to the ground. Fell to the ground. 600 armed and trained men fell to the ground. Now, part of what is significant about this is you have to, you have to understand that uh, these are not like weak kind of people here. These are not weaklings. These are men who are trained for combat and war. And they're all falling like dominoes as Jesus says to them, I am he. Here's what I want you to think about. When Jesus declares his name, every knee bowed, every, every life was changed in that moment. He's saying to you, to me, he's saying, I am. I'm the savior of your souls. I am the forgiver of your sins. I am the king of the world that you know and the universe that you can't see. I am he. And with that comes power and presence of a kind that you and I barely grasp. But these 600 warriors got just a little bit of a foretaste of it. Just a little bit as all of them went down. As we think of the power that was just inherent in the person and the words of Jesus, it's important that you and I keep in mind that in this moment, time of history, as Jesus was in the garden, as these soldiers came to arrest him, Jesus was not a victim in this moment. It's important that you understand he was fearless and powerful and willingly, willingly laying aside his authority so that he could follow through on the suffering that his father had asked him to endure for your sake and mine. I mean, that truly is power of another kind. And it's compassion of another kind. We see compassion as another trait that shows up in this particular passage. He is compassionate. Look at verse 10. It just says, that, you know, as this whole thing's unfolding, soldiers are falling and so forth. Uh, what's Peter do? Verse 10. Simon Peter, he drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave. You have to understand about Malchus is that, I mean, the text says here he's a slave. It's translated in, in a lot of other translations, serv servant. And I think actually for our purposes, that's truly a better translation. Because this is not slave how we in America tend to think of slavery. We think of slavery as somebody who's lost freedom and who has no control over their life. The truth of the matter is here, if you look in this particular instance and read its parallel passage in Luke 22, you, you realize that in truth, Malchus 
has all kinds of freedom. In fact, he's, he's the chief of staff. He's in charge of this group. I mean, he gets his ear cut off because he's at the front of the pack. I mean, he's, he's, he's leading the way. He is representative of the high priest in, in this group because the high priest would be defiled if he went and did this kind of thing. So he sends his servant, is what he does, who's in charge. And so he shows up, and Peter thinks to himself, I'm going to do something, and he just starts whacking, and he just whacks the first guy who's anywhere near him. He's an enemy, and this is what he does. And Jesus shows compassion in two ways here. He heals his enemy's ear. We see that here. We don't see it in this. We see it in Luke 22, verse 51. We'll go back and read that if you've not read that. Because literally Jesus you know, picks up an ear that's been cut, puts, puts his hand on the side of the guy's head, and instantly is healed. That's power of another kind, power to heal. All Jesus needs is a touch, just a touch. And it's also compassion for the man. And it's compassion for the disciples. Because in that moment, by healing this man, they had no reason to harm the disciples when they arrested Jesus. He removed their rationale for why they might hurt those who were with him. I mean, this is, he's fearless, he's powerful, he's compassionate. You see in the text that he's determined and self-controlled on a scale that most of us just can't comprehend. And he is determined to drink the cup of suffering that the Father has determined for him to drink. Look at verse 11. It just says, Put your sword back into its sheath, Peter. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given me? And with those words, all that the prophets had spoken centuries before began to be fulfilled. He was not only arrested and betrayed with a kiss, as the scriptures teach, but he was tied up, he was beaten, he was mocked in public and private, he was tried unjustly and found guilty of crimes that he did not commit. He endured pain and humiliation on a scale that you and I cannot fully grasp. And it's truly shocking when you realize who he was and is and always will be to think that one so great would endure what he endured. Matthew 27 goes on to describe this picture a little more fully. It describes the full extent of Jesus' unwavering determination to drink the cup of suffering that the Father had decreed for him. Matthew 27, verse 45 and following, the Bible says there that at noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. So for, for three hours, it was just darkness. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why have you forsaken me? 
want you to think about this. We can kind of identify with this in a, mo- in, in a way in our present moment. You could say that our Heavenly Father quarantined himself from his one and only son, from Jesus, who was in that moment by then terminally ill because of our sins. He was communally infected with our sins. And the father distanced himself from him in that moment. It's an amazing thought. A few breaths later, the Bible goes on to say, Matthew 27, Jesus shouted out again and he released his spirit. And in that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, tombs opened, the bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. Verse 54, the Roman soldier says, and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that happened. And they said, this man truly was the son of God. In these moments, Jesus demonstrated his unwavering determination and self-control on the cross to drink to the bottom the cup of suffering that the Father had decreed that he, must, that he must drink for our forgiveness, for our cleansing, for our benefit. But Jesus in this moment demonstrated something else by his suffering, something that was even greater, and in his own words, Jesus describes it this way. John 15, verse 13 Speaking to his disciples in this moment, he says, There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. No greater love. You know, the one preeminent, overarching, unshakable, unwavering character quality that defines Jesus is his love. His love for you his love for me, his love for humanity right now, even for humanity that has no clue that he cares about them. He loves them. Causes the sun to rise on the righteous and the unrighteous. He sends the rain to bless the righteous and the unrighteous. He died for the righteous and the unrighteous in hopes that all of us would humble ourselves and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, our wicked ways, that he might forgive our sins and heal us. This is what he came for. And it's so evident in scripture. So friends, if you need more of God's fearlessness... This morning, I just want you to reach out and ask, Lord, fill me with your fearlessness. If you need more of God's power in your life, just reach out and ask, God, fill me with more of your power. Heal me. Cleanse me. 
Bring restoration to my body, soul, and spirit. Maybe that's what you need to pray this morning. This morning, if you need more of God's compassion in your life, ask Him for that. If you need more of His determination and His self-control in your life, I mean, you need to be more determined. You need to be more self-controlled. Ask Him. Plead with Him for that. Plead with Him for that. If you need more of God's love in your heart and life. This morning, I just want to ask you, reach out to Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's fearless. He's powerful. He's compassionate. He's determined and loving. He's the Son of God and the Savior of mankind. He's the great I Am of Sinai. He is the suffering servant who took upon himself the wrath of God that was aimed and intended for us. And to see Jesus, if you read Scripture, is to see the Father. And to know Jesus was to know the Father. And according to Scripture, Jesus gave His life so His Father could become your Father and His Father could become my Father. That's, that's why He did it. Today is an opportunity for you to just say thank you, to say thank you, to invite Him into your heart, your life, your home. Will you demonstrate your faith through baptism as Scripture teaches? Will you, will you confess Him before men, whoever's with you in the group? Just acknowledge, you know, I am a sinner. I want Jesus as my Savior and Lord. Some of you this morning, you can do that right where you are. Um, we can arrange to have you baptized one of these days as the Scriptures teach. Uh, we can do that. Believe it or not, you know, baptistry water has a little bit of bleach in it, and bleach kills every virus. And, and according to Scripture... The picture of baptism is that it kills sin too. It's the picture of it. It eradicates sin from the heart and the life of any man, any woman who will humble themselves before the, before the Father. So will you reach out to Jesus? I trust you will because as I wrap up, I want to show you uh, one picture that illustrates what a life without Jesus looks like. And I, and I actually like this picture. It's an amazing one. If you look at it there on your screen in front of you, it's a picture of a, of a sand castle. And I want you to think with me, as the waters rise and the wind increases in this scene, what's going to happen to that castle? We all know. We all know. It's going to collapse. And hear me, so will any life that's built on a foundation other than Jesus. It's like a sand castle. It may look pretty for a time, but the fact is, when the waters rise and the wind blows, it will collapse, and maybe with a loud fall. But I want you to listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 7, verse 24 and following. He says this, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse. Why? Because it's built on bedrock. Friends, my encouragement to you today is to let's build our lives on the unshakable, unwavering, solid rock of Jesus' life and teachings and character and saving grace. If you'll do that, I promise you, promise you, you'll never regret it. You'll never regret it.
We're going to close in prayer, but before I pray for us, I just want to say, if you need to invite Jesus into your heart and your life to be your Savior, to be your Lord today, you can do that as we pray here for the next few moments. If you need to be baptized, you can email us, you can can text me, you can call the office, you can let us know that. We can, we can make arrangements for that here in the near future. Um, I want to encourage you as well before I close in prayer to keep praying for people who are in harm's way. And frankly, at this point, that's pretty much everybody. So just pray for all of us that God will give us, uh, that he will deliver us from COVID-19, all of us individually, and that he will set our nation free and our world free of this virus as well. And I just want to say, if you've got some issue going on in your life, you know, I don't know, maybe it's your job that's being affected by all of this in some way. Maybe it's a family member that you're just, you know, you've tried to conquer fear, but you've got a family member who, because of what he or she does for employment or in kind of harm's way, you know, let us pray with you about these things. For heaven's sake, believers ought to be able to pray for each other. I mean, just because we're separated by distance of six feet or more at the moment doesn't mean that, that we can't be united in prayer for a whole lot of things. And so, uh, so please, please give us the opportunity, the privilege to pray with you for some of the needs, some of the concerns that you have going on in your life. Maybe you need some prayer for something entirely other. Please don't be ashamed. Just let us know. Let us pray with you about that. And then... Um, I just want to say thanks in advance to all of you who are going to participate in our 30 hours of prayer that begins here in a little less than an hour. Um, God hears the prayers of his people. And as I think about Southwoods 30 years ago, uh, next week, in fact, 30 years ago, next week's anniversary Sunday. So this has come at a very inconvenient time as we go to celebrate our 30th anniversary as a church. So this is a little promo. Do not miss next weekend. I mean, make sure, I mean, log on early. The earlier you log on, I mean, we're trying to put creative things out there ahead of time to kind of help you stay with us as, as you're waiting for the live stream to technically begin. But, but, but here's what I want to say. Just pray for 30 years God's been at work at Southwoods, and uh, he's not done. He's not finished. Uh, we've not arrived Um, I think you'll see as we talk next week that uh, there's a lot ahead of us. So uh, don't miss next week. And pray during this let's pray time, uh, not just prayers of thanks for the last 30 years, but prayers of request and plead with God for increased favor and effectiveness for the next 30 years and pray for those that we're connected with in this moment as well. So uh, let's bow our heads and we'll uh, pray And then uh, we'll be wrapping up, okay? Father, thank you that you care about us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are unwavering. That though everything around us feels vulnerable and shaky at the moment, thank you that you are a solid rock that we can build our lives upon, that we can make you the foundation of our lives. Thank you that we do not have to fear death because because you have defeated it. We don't have to fear it because we know that that all who put their faith in you will one day rise from the dead bodily and, and triumphant over the grave. We thank you that all of these things that we fear in life, um, you have overcome. You've acknowledged that we'll have trouble in this life. But as your word says, you have overcome the world and we thank you for that. 
God, as you have overcome it, would you help us? Help us to rise above all of our shortcomings, all of our brokenness, all that the world throws at us. Help us to trust you in these moments. And instead of being timid, help us to be courageous as you were courageous, to bless the lives of people around us, to meet needs, to, uh, to care for those who need, uh, who need care and help. Help us to be wise, but help us to be caring. And God, as you do that, uh, we'll rejoice to be your children. Would you cleanse us from all sin? Would you be the Savior, the Lord, the, the King of our lives? Lord, we'll rejoice to serve you now and forever. Thanks for your grace. Thank you for your unchanging nature. Help us to remember that today and this week. And this is our prayer, and we lift it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in today, and may God bless you and all who are dear to you, and may he fill you with more and more of his Holy Spirit. And... Um, May you make a difference in the world this week uh, for Jesus' sake. We'll see you next time.